The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. I'm your host, Yue Shu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host, Julie Kraftchik. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything, from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. We are excited you've joined us for an older episode. While our earlier seasons were all about dating in San Francisco, we quickly realized all the themes and learnings are universal for all daters, so we shifted to covering dating from all around the world as the seasons progress. The fun part is, things happen first in San Francisco, the tech epicenter and counterculture capital of the world. We love for you to keep tuning in to our older episodes, but there is no set order to listen in, so feel free to jump to more recent seasons or relevant episodes for you. Enjoy the show. Did you know we're eating and drinking roughly a credit card's worth of plastic a week? Yep, that's right. Blueland set out to do something about it. Eliminate the need for single-use plastic in the cleaning products we reach for the most. I'm absolutely obsessed with Blueland for a couple of reasons. One, how they're helping the environment. Two, how convenient they make my life. And three, how freaking beautiful their pastel containers are. All you have to do is fill your reusable bottles with water, drop in the tablets, and wait for them to dissolve. You'll never have to grab bulky cleaning products on your groceries run again. My partner was a little skeptical the other day if the dishwasher tablets would work as well as the pods we usually use, but after the dishes came out sparkling clean, he was sold as well. It's not only super convenient, but Blueland is also affordable. Refill start is just $2.25, and you can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. Blueland has a special offer for listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash datable. You won't want to miss this blueland.com slash datable for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash datable to get 15% off. This episode of Datable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. Meet like-minded people who share your interests over brunch. So for this episode, both Michael and I were traveling and we had no sound equipment. So please excuse the sound quality, but I promise you this is a good one. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show that opens a candid conversation about dating in San Francisco. And um, the male voice you just heard comes from Michael Vargas. The woman who just did a lovely, lovely introduction to me is our friend UA. So on each episode, we dissect a dating story. So on the phone right now, we have John. John, are you there? Hey guys, yep. Thanks for having me on. What is your story? Um, this happened to me a little while ago. It's been a bit, but um, I had just gotten out of a pretty interesting, pretty intense relationship. And um, I was actually hanging out at my office one day and it was, a, it was a collaborative working space, another San Francisco thing. And a really good friend of mine in the office had a bunch of her girlfriends over sort of just hanging out one day. One of her friends happened to be a matchmaker. So I start talking to the matchmaker. She starts asking me about the type, types of women that I like, et cetera, asking me specific questions like tall, short, smart, funny, quiet. Do I like girls that read a lot, et cetera? So she describes this, this woman that I was, you know, it sounded like I would be attracted to. And so I was like, yep, super into it. I'm thinking, you know, this is amazing. I've gotten out of this relationship and now I have a friend literally hooking me up with a matchmaker to go on a date. 
Now, think about this. Most people think about matchmakers in terms of, oh, I'm going to go hire a matchmaker because I want to get married or I want to find a serious relationship. And I, and I can see that happening in San Francisco a lot because it's easy to date people and it's easy to sleep with people, but it's hard to like find a, a stable long-term relationship or find somebody that you want to marry. For whatever reason, there's something in the water or something about hippie culture in San Francisco. Uh, <laughs> Commitment is just not a thing that people usually go for. Um, mm-hmm. So it didn't really surprise me that, that you know, that there was a, a matchmaker doing business here. What was funny about it was I was on the un- other end of the interaction, right? So somebody had paid this woman money to, you know, set her up on dates. And here I was um, in the process of being set up on one of these dates. So um, we're talking about, we're talking about the woman that she's going to, she's going to introduce me to. And then she asked the question, she's like, how do you feel about older women? And she's like, oh, she's 36, 37. Now I'm, you know, I'm still under 30. So I'm sitting here thinking, and I told her straight up, I'm like, listen, that's a big age jump for me right now. And I know what somebody at that stage of their life is after. And that's probably not me. I'd love to go out on a date with them but it'll probably be casual. So I just want to tell you right now, I wanted to set expectations. Like um, if, if this person's looking for something very serious, then I'm not going to be the, the right thing for them. You know, because I didn't want her, you know, it's like, this is her business. This is also somebody on the other end of the, the equation. So I get the phone number um, and, and, and I call her. I call, you know, I call the girl that I'm going to set up on a date with and, and we agree to go out. Um, you know, 20, 30 minutes into the day, you know, we're attracted to each other. She's beautiful. You know, I'm kind of into it, but I can already start to feel like, oh, I don't know how, how far this is going to go. Sometimes when you go on that, like on a first date, you can kind of tell, like, there's no magic here. Um, mm-hmm. There was chemistry, but, you know, like, I knew that it wasn't going to be like a long-term thing. And, um, you know, I'm start, I'm asking her about, you know, what she's into and all this stuff. And she's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm really looking for a serious relationship. Um, I'd like to find somebody to settle down with. She was telling me about her dog. It was a super cute conversation. Um, but the chemistry starts to happen, right? So, you know, after a little bit, I, I just look her straight in the eyes and I'm like, I think I'm probably going to make out with you tonight. And she like, you know, her face lights up and, and she goes, oh. and, uh, and we still had a little bit left in our drinks. So, you know, things are going on, we're on the second or third or fourth drink, whatever. And, and I said, we'll have to wait till I leave the, we'll have to wait till we leave the bar. And she looks at me and goes, oh, why wait? <laughs> so, so, so we end up like immediately. So we're, now we're making out at the bar. We went out on another date or two, um, but that was really the end of it. I got to ask, you know, I heard a couple more dates and it ended, but. You got anything else about how it ended or just kind of like, did you guys ghost? Did you guys say, Hey, I'm done. I'm looking for something more. Like how did that part end? So a couple of things happened. We, we, we went to a bar. We went, we went out near her apartment, which is in a different area of San Francisco, which is also a big deal. If you live here going to a different neighborhood. Um, and I was sick. Right. So like, I was even like trying to beg off for the day. I'm like, listen, I'm, you know, I've got a cold. I don't want to get you sick. And she's like, no, I want to see you. I want to see you. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll do this. I don't want to drink tonight. Let's just go eat some like super spicy Asian food somewhere awesome. And then, you know, whatever. And so, so she's like, cool, cool. I get it. Um, she made some joke about giving me her hot toddy. And then um, an hour before the date, she's like, Hey, meet me at this bar. 
So I meet her at the bar. We have a couple of drinks. I should have just like, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have had any alcohol cause I didn't need it. Um, we went to dinner and then I woke up the next morning and thought, this is just not how I want to be spending my time. So yes, I ghosted. Ah, ah, boo. <laughs> well, it is a, I've heard many a ghosting stories. So that's, that, I mean, we even have a term for it, ghosting, right? So I have a question. Um, if you didn't know her age before going into the date, do you think your interaction would have been different? So it was like maybe like a five to eight year difference. Um, yeah, but it's like, it's a pretty important five to eight years, you know, like if it had been the other way around, if like I'd been, you know, in my late, my mid to late thirties, that, that's a little bit different. But like a woman who's that age, like she has serious, like there's only a few more years that if she wants to have kids, she's really going to like be able to do that. Um, you know, unless she's frozen her eggs or something like that. And I really wanted to take that seriously because that's her life and her family that we're talking about there. And I don't want to waste anybody's time if that's what they need to do next. I would love to hear from you, UA, about this, because this isn't the first time I've heard guys talk about this where they don't want to, where they're not in a space to commit, so they don't want to really progress a relationship with a woman who's older who maybe wants to have kids or whatnot. I'm curious as to what are your thoughts about that? So, first of all, I think what's misleading is um, age, because I think it's really about life stage, and I wish that we could... Uh, we could judge each other better based on life stage instead of age. Now, my other issue, not issue, but I find this interesting, is that we've talked to people, men, who prefer dating older women, but older meaning in their 40s. So something happens between 30 to 40, where if you date a woman in their 30s, in her 30s, it's more sensitive because that's her fertile period. She can still... She may still want kids. She may still want a family. She may still want to hurry things up. But something, a switch must turn on or off when she's in her 40s because we've had younger guys who tell us that women in their 40s, uh, they're less maintenance because they're more like fuck it attitude. So they're just much easier to date. I think that's a part of it. And also I think women at that age, they're more confident in themselves. They're more kind of, know what they want for their lives. So they also have that mentality of like, Hey, this is where I'm at. That confidence probably comes from, they have, they don't have anything to lose anymore, you know, along, along lines of having kids or not like they know where they're at and they can focus more on just themselves and having a good time and enjoying work, enjoying life, enjoying the company of somebody, whether that's a younger man or not. So there is this issue of the biological clock. And I felt it the minute I turned 30 I've had five friends who've frozen their eggs in the last year, and all of them across the board have told me dating is so much more fun after they froze their eggs, and they don't feel like they're trying to find a, a husband or a dad or a baby daddy. They're trying to just have fun with dating. So that biological clock is definitely ticking, and we feel it. I've heard, I've heard it's weird because in one week I heard three women like turning in their 30s saying that they're craving babies. No, craving ice cream today and maybe baby. They're craving having babies. Has has anyone else heard that of other people like craving to like have a baby? Yeah, I've heard girlfriends say that definitely. How do you get that craving? That's my question. Like, how do you all of a sudden you're like, I think I want to be a mom. But John, back to your story. Um, 
something about you being aware of her age probably made some of her actions more amplified. And the irony of this is, like, so here's what's, here's what's ironic about it. Like, if, if a girl in her 20s had done that, I would have thought something like, oh, my God, this girl's, like, dramatic, or she's going to be high maintenance. Like, you, know, you, you look at how much time has elapsed in a relationship, or, like, when, you're, when you start dating a girl and, like, how much drama, she, like, starts cropping up. And that's sort of like a leading indicator of how much drama the relationship's actually going to be. Uh, my my limited several years experience of San Francisco dating is um, it's been easier to have sex with someone in this city more than any other city. Very easy. And it's also been harder to develop a emotional intimacy with someone. Yeah, the most successful I, relationships that I've had in this city have come from people who didn't live here or who had just moved here. Yeah. We talk about importing them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be a great – that is the next dating service is importing. Well, so, uh, my, my, we can make I, I dated a girl for about a year here that I, you know, that I quote, unquote, imported from, from my home state. Um, <laughs> I didn't know her when she was there, but, but she knew me because of some stuff that, that I'd written um, and found me here, and, and we started dating. But it was like I was her first San Francisco boyfriend. So – I'm struggling with this because this whole idea of having casual sex is so easy in San Francisco. I think that's across the board in any big city where you have a high concentration of young people. It's like going to uh, summer camp. Everyone's just going to be fucking all the time. Now that's, the that's is, their tagline. That's the summer camp's tagline is, <laughs> have fun at Camp Boggy and we're fucking all week. <laughs> so... <laughs> The thing is, like, okay, so people have to get over that initial uh, that initial pleasure from getting really easy casual sex, and then they start wanting something more because they're nearing another life stage. They're approaching this life stage of being like, I want something more stable and serious. So I think that the issue we're facing in San Francisco, which may be unique to San Francisco, is getting over that hump, going from casual to something more substantial. What if we just don't have sex for like the first several months? We go back, go, you know, in our time machine where they didn't have sex right away and we wait a little bit and actually, you know, court each other. Or you'd watch relationships, you'd watch relationships increase really, really quickly. Like the, the way that works is girls say, oh, we can't have sex until like we have a commitment. And then all of a sudden guys left and right are like trying to commit to women because we really like having sex. I mean, you, 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 I mean, that's part of the reason that, you know, you like traditional societies and like religions have always placed sex behind marriage is because it stabilizes everybody. It's like you get pair bonded to one person and then you start a family. And like, if you're a dude and you have a wife, like other men can attest to this. Like guys, when we start getting serious with a woman, it changes the, like the shape of our life. We spend our money differently. We think about work differently. Like all of a sudden we're not just thinking about us and beer and video games and porn and whatever. Like we're thinking about, um, caring for other people and it shifts our focus in life. But that doesn't happen in San Francisco because nobody actually figures they're going to stay here very long. The Peter Pan syndrome that we have here, I think, is a, is caused in a lot of ways because it's a city of like transients. We come here like hoping to strike it rich or hoping for adventure or hoping to open our horizons and then go back somewhere else. But because nobody's necessarily committed to San Francisco or in the back of their minds, they know at some point their room's going to get raised and they may not be 
be able to afford to live here anymore. Because of all that, nobody has really, really like um, deep roots in San Francisco. And so we don't have deep roots to each other either. And so absent those like deep roots or those deep connections, we'll take what we can get, which is casual sex with people that we like and we like having in our lives, but we don't take it that personally if they disappear on us. But this is a worldwide issue, which is these cities like San Francisco, New York, L.A., it attracts transients. And it also attracts a certain caliber of people who go and try to pursue their dreams. So that's why we find more attraction in these cities, because we're finding like-minded people. Yeah, it's like we're fucking ourselves. We are fucking. Maybe that's the future. We just fuck ourselves. That's it. You, you just went to CES. You saw some virtual reality, so I think that's not too far away. Oh, no. People are definitely fucking themselves. We're fucking machines. That's what we're doing now. Let's, <laughs> not, put, let's not put we in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for that commitment. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> so Michael, I want to go back to you. Michael, I want to go back to your proposition of saying, what if we just spent a few weeks or a few months courting each other and then we have sex? So this has personally happened to me and a few friends of mine where we tried that. You know, we held up on sex. We really wanted to get to know the guy. A few months go by, we decide to have sex, and the sex is terrible. And that's when you go, yeah, this is not going to work out. But so, you, uh, can't, you tell that after, can't you tell that after you kiss somebody, though? Like, haven't you noticed the no. correlation between a good, good kisser and good sex? No. No, there's not... Uh, there should be a correlation, but it's not always apparent. The correlation I'm going to in here. I agree with you. I definitely not from a female perspective. Interesting. Thanks, Julie. I, I think yeah. I do think um, I like I've definitely had hit or miss with good kisses, but what I will say is um, if our bodies kind of like each other. So I know that sounds kind of weird, but. Uh, like if I find if I have a partner that I dance with a lot and we dance really well together, that is generally correlated to good sex. Like uh, so okay. it's not just like the kissing, it's do our like okay, we have our you know, we have, we get in the flow of each other mentally, right? And I think we can understand that physically without sex. And I think dance is one of the ways that you can kind of discover that. I'm not sure what other ways. But um, I think that's a good indicator of good sex with a person or not. Let's hold that thought for a quick message. Living with ADHD can be a challenge. And dating with ADHD is definitely a challenge, we've heard many of you say. But finding the right care and proper tools needed to succeed can be life-changing. Done is an online ADHD care platform that can get you all the resources you need to help manage your ADHD. Unlock your path to better focus with Done. Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, insurance coverage, and 24-7 care team support, and pharmacy co-pays as low as $0. And because May is Mental Health Awareness Month, you can get 50% off your first consultation. That's just $99. Visit get.donefirst.com slash podcast before the end of the month to take advantage of this deal. That's get.donefirst.com slash podcast. Done. Turn ADHD into strength. 
Confession, I have a secret about how I've been able to update my wardrobe with only high quality but affordable pieces these last few years. And now I have to let the secret out because (laughs) they're sponsoring this episode. It's called Quince. Yeah, you know, you know. Quince has premium European linen dresses, gorgeous washable silk tops, luxurious cashmere, and the best part, they're priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands because they partner directly with top factories. So no more middleman, and that's why it costs less to you. I know Julie got herself some nice cashmere pieces and at only $50 a sweater, come on. And I recently ventured into home goods. I got myself some premium cotton percale sheets, ultra cooling, and just feels like a five-star hotel every night. And it's so perfect for the upcoming hot months. So get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash datable for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash datable to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. If you love Datable, we have a podcast you have to check out. Seeing Other People was created to help you feel less alone and more empowered by your dating life. Hosted by your soon-to-be favorite internet big sis, Alana Dunn, an early Hinge employee, modern dater, and now a fiance, is here to guide you through whatever you're going through. And she covers the gamut of topics from anti-dating rules, how she went from being an anxious dater to in a secure, healthy relationship, and navigating dating burnout. On Tuesdays, Alana brings on expert guests like dating coaches, matchmakers, psychologists, and more. And on Thursdays, Alana is joined by anonymous real-life daters who bear it all and open up about what they faced in their love lives and what they wish they knew going through it. Seeing other people will help you change your dating mindset, develop healthy dating habits, and make you feel like you actually can find what you're looking for. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and tune in every Tuesday and Thursday. My, so my last food for thought for everyone, because I'm thinking about this as we go along, are we placing too much emphasis on sex? Because if you look at the old ways of courtship, sex was never an emphasis. It's kind of the cherry on top. It's a nice to have. But nowadays, you open up any magazine or get a quote from any relationship counselor. They always say sex life is the most important part of your relationship. If your sex life starts failing, your relationship will start failing. Is this just propaganda, maybe, to open up a whole market for, like, sexual activity? Is sex being commercialized to a point where it's actually harming us? I, I, think, I think in many ways it absolutely is. And I also do think, uh, because it's giving us a slice of the pie, a piece of the puzzle, right? There's so many more elements that are associated with having a wonderful relationship. And I think sex is important. I don't think it's the most important by any means. And I think that we can also find ways of having better sex with our partner if we open up communication more. Because the, the thing is, with, I believe, with good sex is a lot of communication. Um, you know, verbal communication, also um, body language and all that stuff. But I think if we learn to communicate with each other better, I think our sex can get better. I agree with you a lot about communication. And I would add on to that. I would, I would say that um, I've noticed that sex life is usually, like sex is, is not the cause all the time or usually. A lot of times like, have, like feeling connected, um, feeling the intimacy because that's a lot of what comes from sex is the connection and the like, you know, you're joining one another in those moments that like 
when something's off sexually, that's usually an indicator that something else is wrong in the relationship. Um, and that's, that's like the, the thing that's like, okay, we're not connecting physically. There's something emotionally that we're disjointed on and we need to communicate for a minute. We need to figure out like, did I do something that hurt your feelings? Are you upset at work? Um, have I not been paying enough attention to you? What are we missing here? And you find those things out. And in the process, like the bad sex or the no sex is like, it's like this trigger that says, hey, something's up. And then it's also the care that says, hey, go fix it so you can get laid again. All right. So I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, do we have any takeaways, some takeaways from this conversation? My takeaway is, one is life stage match is so important. So we should kind of throw age out the door, but when we're on a first date and we're trying to figure out if we're a match for each other, I think discussing life stage is more important. Um, my second takeaway is, this is what I'm learning from John, sex is a product of communication. So if your communication's off, if your connection's off, then sex is probably going to be off. So sex is a good indicator of how you're communicating with each other. I think it's really important to really listen and give ourselves space to listen for a period of time before we have that leap of intimacy of sex. Uh, I think it's, it's good to get to know each other, to also learn each other about mentally, emotionally, physically without having sex. And I think personally that helps kind of dive into the relationship. Uh, so now it's the time for question of the day. And we have a question from a listener, Paul Boone. So Paul Boone writes, what is the most effective way of starting to date someone? And I think this is an awesome question because there's so many ways out there, right? Versus matchmakers, going online, meeting in person, friends, coworkers, all that stuff. So, uh, Yui, would you like to, do you have any thoughts on that? In my case, personally speaking, um, increasing the frequency of seeing someone. So it's much harder for me to have attraction with someone that I meet for the first time versus someone that I see all the time. So might that be a coworker or um, someone I go hiking with in a hiking club or group, just FaceTime, consistent FaceTime. And, and for me, I will actually have to agree on that one. I, I love the idea of, of going out, meeting people face to face, getting to know people and then starting to, uh, to start Oh, okay. I'm connecting with this person. Let me talk to them more. Oh, we're connecting more. Let's talk even further. I think it just depends on your personal style, how attraction builds for you. So I guess the the real answer to that question is find what works for you. Try as many different ways of dating as possible. I think just expanding your network, which is hence our sponsor, 500 Brunches, the perfect tie-in, but you never know me or even their friend's friend. So, very good point. The more people you know, the higher your chances of meeting the love of your Boom. So, people go meet people so that you can get more people. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. If you're listening, don't forget you can submit your stories and we can always keep you anonymous, change your name, change the names of the people involved in your story. And last but not least, Michael. Stay dateable. The Dateable Podcast is recorded in San Francisco. 
We would like to thank our sponsor, 500 Brunches, for making this happen. To connect with us, visit dateablepodcast.com. Mm-hmm.